most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. You sound amazing tonight. Thank you. You look amazing. Thank you. I have a full heart. Why so full? Because I'm getting to build stuff. <laughs> okay, yes. Why don't we just start right there? Okay. The DIY project. I'm DIYing. With alien blood. What? The paint looks like alien blood. Okay. Well, there's been a mishap with the paint. We, uh, the paint that I picked on the actual paint chip looked much lighter and less like alien blood than it does on the wall. Well, alien blood's probably, it's just a very bright turquoise. It's turquoise? It, apparently. I thought it was teal. Well, they're in the same family. Okay. Well, either way, it looks like a bunch of aliens got in a fight in our bathroom and their neon remains have splattered the wall. It looks a little bit like that, but I'm going to fix it. It's going to be fine. And then I will post it to Instagram. Here's the thing. I have great confidence in you to make it brilliant. Thank you. In the same way that you have this unfathomable confidence that I will solve technology problems, even when I know that it's outside the realms of my capabilities. Yes. Your belief in me empowers me to do it. See? And vice versa. And vice versa. So you're just happy because you're building. I'm building. You're I'm, using power tools. I'm using power tools. I'm using my nail gun and my miter saw and measuring things and cutting wood and yeah. All right. Well, right. Th- that's that's great. But something else happened this week that was amazing too. It's true. Even more amazing. We graduated our school. True. Congratulations to all of our graduating students from first and second year. We're so proud of you. You've done an amazing job. We had a great night at graduation. I loved it. It was really, really good. The hall was full. There was lots of smiling family members and friends. Everybody looks so nice. They dress up real sharp. Nobody fell off the stage. Mm-hmm. It all went off without a hitch. Have we ever had anybody fall off the stage? No, but that's because me and Matt help people up and down off the stage because we're gentlemen like that. Mm-hmm. So thank you to everybody who made that year a success. Our staff at the school, Jeff and Becky, it was just a great time. I loved it completely. So we had a high of graduation. Yes. You had a high of building stuff. Yes. Do you know what my personal high was? What was your personal high, darling? Getting to go on a date with little Tia. Oh, she was so excited. Um, Our slightly verbose seven-year-old had made it known to us that she was Slightly (laughs) verbose. She's very earnest. But she was saying, I haven't had enough time with you. And you've taken mommy on a date, but you haven't taken me on a date. So she came up with, I would like to go on a date with you to see Boss Baby at the movie theater. And then also we could go for dinner. And then also we could also have popcorn and candy. And so I made all our dreams come true. And it was amazing. Um, MJ did mention on Friday night while you were gone, he was like, where did they go, mommy? And I said, they went on a date. And he said, did they get to go see Boss Baby? And I said, I think she's seeing Boss Baby. I want daddy to take me to see Boss Baby. <laughs> it was very cute. I loved it. My favorite part was we ended up eating at Panda Express for no other reason than it was one of two restaurants right next to the movie theater and she didn't want to go Panera Bread. In fact, we walked into Panera Bread and she said, this is not the restaurant I was thinking of. <laughs> Turn around left. <laughs> the child knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we went to Panda Express, which for those of you who know what Panda Express is, it's, it's not the world's greatest Chinese food restaurant ever. It's like a chain. Uh, no, yes. Yeah. Well, she was thrilled with it. She sat there with cheeks full of fried rice and she said, Daddy, 
let's make this our special restaurant mm-hmm. that nobody needs to know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't think the world's going to be angry about that, babe. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, my so daddy heart was full just being with her this weekend. And I took Abby to a girls thing on Thursday, didn't I? So really the only child we've left out is MJ. Is MJ. He's owed a date. No, well, that's not true because I bought him a $2 toy at the bargain store. And he just thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> this unsolicited gift. We were just wandering around the store. Yes, but he's the cuddliest child you've ever met. So he's going to want the quality time. And it was a Ninja Turtle. I don't, it's a stupid like paddle with a ball attached to it. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. Bung, bung, bung. Something know. like that. Take out your eye. Anyway, he loved it. He just, Daddy, did you just buy me that? I said, yeah. He said, why? I said, because I love you. <gasps> you're the best daddy ever. So my family love tank is full. Yes. Speaking about families... And babies and where they come from. Hmm? Well, and I'm trying to segue into talking about marriage and introduce <laughs> our guest tonight. <laughs> I was like, were we speaking about babies and where they come from? We have And babies. are these guys going to talk <laughs> about babies and where they come from? I don't think so. Well, tell us why we're so excited. We are so excited because we have Mike and Phyllis best with us this evening. We do. Mike and Phyllis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. You guys are best known in our community as a married couple who have a heart to help strengthen marriages. That's something that we really enjoy and appreciate because we prayed about that and we want that to be true. We've 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 had other people in the RTF community that say we don't want to be known for certain things and uh, we had a conversation about eight years ago, and I said, well, we do want to be known for that. Right. right. So, <laughs> I, I want it to be known, and I hope you're okay with this being known, that while you guys have, it seems like specialized in marriages, you still absolutely minister to single people, people who are getting married, divorced people. I mean, you minister to all sorts of people, correct? Yes. But your heart, and it just seems the thing that comes out of you, the fruit that's from your lives is you love helping people in married life. Absolutely. And all the marriages I know that you have touched have flourished because of that. So oh, yeah. Let me start with some basic questions. How long have you guys been married? 39 years in May. <gasps> wow. Congratulations. That's yeah. amazing. And how long have you been ministering to people before? In the 80s, our church asked us to do life groups. So we started with a life group on marriage because it was what we knew something about because we'd been doing it for probably five years. We were experts by then. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, we've, we've talked about this several times. We don't even know why we got so intense and excited and attracted to marriages and helping couples. And we've always had a passion for married couples ever since we were in our 30s, um, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's just a big joy to us. We do it together. Um, our hearts are for it. It's easy for us. Um, we we say we think with a marriage filter, we just see life that way. Mm-hmm. So Phyllis, for people listening that may not be aware of what it is that you guys do, could you explain a little bit about you know how do you minister to people? The basic thing that we do is um, restoring the foundations, which is just a basic foundational clearing out the junk ministry. And we feel like everybody needs that. Um, If they're alive and breathing, we all have stuff that we carry. And so we... We do that, but we also um, incorporate some other things to help couples, um, life languages being one of them. Oh, cool. Yes. Come we on. love the life languages. 
We've, we've benefited from both those things. In, yeah. in fact, the, I wanted to talk about how we first met you. And so I'm going to go to story time. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> our pastors from Canada mm-hmm. met our pastors who are in Nashville. So this is John and Carol, meet Jeff and Becky. And John and Carol had been through what we call RTF or Restoring the Foundations which I think we've talked about a bit on the podcast. And John and Carol were saying, Jeff and Becky, you need to go do RTF. It's amazing. And one of the funny things about RTF is it's very hard to describe what it is that's so amazing without going through it. I mean, you, you can for sure break it down what it is, right. but it's the value you receive from going through it. It's, it's one of those weird things. So Jeff and Becky, I think, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but maybe reluctantly went, you know, I think they went because John and Carol said go. And so they went out to the Restoring Foundations base in North Carolina, went through this, what we call a healing week, which is five days if you're in a married couple. I think it's three days if you're, I mean, you guys are the experts. Um, yes. You guys are nodding. <laughs> and so, you know, Jeff and Becky went through these five days. They would they would tell you this as they, they've shared publicly many times. And they were like, this is life-changing. <laughs> like, this is life-changing. Yeah. And they promptly came home and thought, we need to send all of our pastors and staff through this. And quickly realized that logistically sending everybody out to North Carolina wouldn't be good for the life of our church, would be, you know, just prohibitive for a number of reasons. And so they asked you guys to kind of come down to Nashville on extended trips and just all of our you know, almost all of our pastors and staff at the time went through this Restoring the Foundation's Healing Week. That My memory serves me correct? That's correct. That's right. And is that how you ended up at Grace Center? Just tell us that story of how you ended up at Grace Center, because later on it seemed like you guys moved here and now you're permanently part of our church and we love Hooray! that and you're here. <laughs> so talk to us about your introduction to Grace Center, how you... Your, your your side of that story. Well, we, we did start coming. The ministry said, hey, would you guys be willing to go to Nashville and do some ministry to church there? And they want their staff to go through. And we said, sure, that'd be great. We love adventure. We like travel. Uh, we like being on the road. And we went to Grace Center. And it was back in the days when Chris McCarney was doing worship. The very mm-hmm. first Sunday, it's like, wow, this is an amazing church. This is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Loved it so much. Cried about halfway through yes. the service. <laughs> and uh, and we came back over a four-year period. We made 17 trips. Good night. Stayed with six different families. And we added up the weeks. And over four years, we were in Nashville about one of those years when you added <gasps> yeah. it all up. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Yeah. I knew you were here a lot. I didn't realize it was yeah. that much. So obviously you had to move here. I mean... You know, (laughs) (laughs) we did. We loved it here. And everybody was so welcoming and just really embraced ministry and us. And it was just a, we just felt like the Lord eventually said, it's time to quit making the trips every month or so and just move. Our community is so much a better community because you guys are here. Absolutely. All the people, all our friends, our family, the people that you've ministered to over the years, we've um, just benefited from you guys being here. You've ministered at the church, you've done marriage teaching on our Wednesday nights, and uh, again, your full-time jobs are ministering to people. Correct. Right. What did you guys do before you were in ministry? I was a nurse, and Mike is an engineer. Wow. Ah. Yeah, I was an automotive engineer. Engineers are problem solvers. Nurses have big hearts to help people. And so the combination 
seemed to work pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> we we literally could spend hours picking your brain on the full spectrum of healing. You know, questions about demons and deliverance and uh, past hurts and soul spirit hurts and you know this that we we could just we could spend all the evening talking about that. But one of the reasons we invited you on was to talk about marriage, to just come and share some of your wisdom about marriage. And we've got a bunch of questions we'd love to ask experts on marriage, which is you guys. I know you just <laughs> looked at each other like, wait. Who are they talking about? Who, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, babe, what question would you love to ask? What are some of the main things that you see in marriages that start to cause breakdown? Are there any things that you're like, you know, when we start to see a combination of these two or, or these three things that you start to go, oh, you probably want to deal with those because those are eventually going to erode your marriage. I feel like every couple is so different. Um, I don't know that I could say that there are specific things. I mean, there's basic things like learning how to forgive and those those kinds of things. But um, every couple seems to bring their own unique, what they brought into the marriage, how they grew up, um, what they learned from their family of origin, um, and they all always just respond differently. And so I feel like most couples are fairly unique. Wow. I did not expect that answer. That's fascinating. I would agree with Phyllis, but I would say the things that we commonly see, though they're different... We started seeing this almost from the start when we were doing ministry. We would see a couple and we go, that's a gift problem. Like the wife would be prophetic and the husband would be real gentle and tenderhearted. And she would think that he was weak and wasn't direct enough. And he would think that she was harsh and critical. And everybody was kind of acting a little bit out of being unhealed we would look at it and go, that's a gift problem. That's how they are. And the one common thing we see with almost every couple is each mate judges the other mate based on who they are. If you're a leader, you look at your wife and go, you're not a very good leader. If the wife is real merciful, she looks at the husband and says, you don't care about me. You are harsh. You are... And the things are usually true, but it's really gift mix issues that seem to be the biggest problem in marriage. Whoa. I'm just thinking about how freeing that would be where suddenly you're validated rather than criticized for the way you are. And then also learning, ah, okay, even though your validate is that, do you realize that you're looking at your wife and judging her through your filter of the way you see things? Yes. That must be so freeing for people to hear and see. It is. It, and it's just fascinating that we don't even realize that we all have individual ways that God created us and that we're gifted. And those filters really direct incoming and outgoing communication. Right. Let's just stop there, baby, and take a moment to forgive one another. <laughs> you know, really, we pitched this as a podcast, but we just want like free marriage yeah, it's counseling, free counseling on air. Yeah. So this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just lead us into prayer. It's fantastic, though, if you can show a spouse how to communicate with the other. And it's almost always the one that's a tender hearted one. You know, if you just 
demonstrate that you care. Wait, he just pointed to himself. He thinks he's the tender-hearted <laughs> one. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> My tender heart's being crushed Ooh. by that accusation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's fabulous. I had... You know, we can't really talk about specifics, but I had a guy a couple of years ago that I saw in church and he goes, you know, um, the first, you know, several decades of our marriage were really bad. And then when I learned how to treat my wife as a responder and show her that I cared, he goes, it was simple, but it was amazingly beneficial. And he, and she doesn't remember what you did for her. All she remembers is what you did for me, but I don't care how she interprets it. All I know is our marriage is great now. That's awesome. So, that, those kind of stories, and they're simple. Yeah. The gift stuff is not complicated. And most people don't know how they're gifted and they don't know what they, how they communicate. And it's, it's not hard. It's usually a lot of benefit for a little bit of effort for a couple. Yeah. So, so I find it really uh, interesting and amazing that you guys have combined RTF with life languages because, you know, obviously we went through RTF. We didn't do life languages at the same time we did life languages at a different time it was very helpful um but when i heard that you guys were doing that i thought oh my gosh that's brilliant because you not only get to deal with your stuff but then you get to work out how to communicate with one another afterwards which is a perfect way to sort of launch back into let's do this a different way now you know Mm -hmm. yeah yes so where'd you get that idea from actually it came from we were just observing we'd see the couples we go that's a gift problem we didn't have a tool for that. And then someone in the RTF community named David Linda Rader were doing life languages. The whole RTF staff went through it. And I go, this tool mm. is the tool. They trained us in it. We started taking couples through about five years ago. We go, this is descriptive of what's going on. It gives a good distribution of what the gifts and communication patterns are. And it's just valuable. We couldn't. We don't know of any other tool available that does what Life Languages does. Yeah. And, but it was the tool. We go. These people have already done the work. Right. All the couple has to do is go out, take the profile, and then the information is there to solve the problem. Yeah. So cool. And for for those of you who are maybe newer to the podcast and you're unfamiliar with this term, life languages, we we interviewed one of our friends who's a life language trainer, Alison Hendrickson. If you go to alanandaj.com slash 76 or alanandaj.com slash 77, you can hear Alison share in depth about life languages and the importance of it. But in, in, in summary, it's a communication tool that helps people understand how they are uh, predominantly wired for communication and how to learn to communicate in uh, in styles that they may not be as fluent in. And it is life-changing. It has helped our community hugely, both our church staff and um, at Grace Center at large. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to the question that AJ asked you, what are some of the most common things husbands don't understand about their wives? <laughs> That's an interesting question because it's we don't really see a whole lot of men, women. It, almost everything we see is more from a, what are your wounds and how do those impact now? What is your gifting? How does that work now? And we don't see a whole lot of men, women kind of things. We're, we're looking to solve things at the root cause. And so we don't really do as much, okay, you're a man, so you should think this way. You're a woman, so you should be this way. I just don't 
I don't think that way as much. Although love and respect talks about that a lot because, you know, our brains are wired a little differently. But um, some of the things that we see more commonly are um, not being able to see our own stuff. Um, And it doesn't matter if you're the husband or wife. Most of the time when people come in, they want us to look at their spouse Right. If you would just fix my spouse, <laughs> yes. my marriage would be better. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, and so a lot. communication and uh, it, it, I guess it just goes back to back in the garden with the finger pointing. You know, it's if you'll just uh, it was just Adam and, and that woman that you gave me, you know, right. so so uh, that's just our tendency. It seems like to look at them rather than our own lives. And I just know from my own life, um, I think God uses marriage more than any other relationship on the earth to make us look at maybe what's going on in our own lives. And our tendency, as I said, is just to look at what they need to fix. But I know in my own life, if I look at me rather than continuing to look at what he needs to do, it seems like I don't have to go around that mountain again. So um, we love marriage in that it can be one of the most damaging relationships on the earth, but it can also be one of the most amazing relationships on earth as you learn to grow together. That's that's fascinating to me because I was listening, I was listening to both your answers and I was thinking like in our experience, you know, we often joke, but we're being incredibly serious that you've probably heard us say early on in our marriage, we had to figure out when AJ was upset, you know, men have this lovely tendency where they just want to fix the problem. So they stop hearing about the problem. Whereas women often just want to be heard and comforted. They're, they're, they're bringing a problem to be heard, not to be fixed, which is alien to the male mind. So I'm thinking, wait, why don't you guys mention that one? Like, isn't that obvious to you? And then I realized you're not you're not dealing with the problems that are up here. And for those of you who can't see me, I'm motioning up high. Mm-hmm. You're, the ministry is called restoring the foundations because that that just tends to be a, a, a fruit thing if you can minister down here. So I hadn't even considered the that you're going after far deeper more significant issues. Is is that a correct? Now I'm unsure about everything, babe. <laughs> I'm go back to school with these guys. Yeah. You know, a while ago you said, well, you know, we could talk about the four ministry areas and we almost never get into that conversation with people because it's not very persuasive and it's not very um, motivating to people. You just tell them that. But when you say, okay, here's, here's the thing. RTF will help you to solve the key issues in your life, the deepest issues at the root cause using Christian principles. And we tell them that. Now that makes sense to people more than we're going to do these four ministry areas. And usually sure. we say that their eyes glaze over and you know right. that you didn't connect with their heart. So either RTF is going to help you solve your issues at the root cause, or we give them testimonies and people go, this is what happened in our life. They go, Oh, so it's that kind of thing. It's like, this was, actually get to the root of what's happening in our life. And that's really the key idea is we're not telling people, here's your bad behavior, do this better. That those are pretty easy to figure out, but it doesn't help anybody because our behavior, when we get under stress 
We're right. going to do it again, That's even though right. in our mind we know that it's wrong. Right. Until we get the root thing healed that causes us to react poorly, we're going to keep doing that when we're under stress. Yeah, makes sense. Um, well, okay, how about this question? What are some of the best preventative steps that folks can do uh, while they're single to prepare for married life? I would say get as much healing as you can Yeah. Um, before you even go into marriage because then you're not working with two cycles, um, your own and theirs, um, because we all bring so much stuff into our marriages. Um, we often joke that our marriage problems started when we were five years old, but <laughs> we, my did, <laughs> you know, we learn things from our families of origin. We learn how to handle conflict or not. We learn how to deal with feelings or even if feelings are okay to have. Um, we learn how to to forgive or not. I mean, there's so many things that we learn just from growing up that we don't even think about that we bring into the marriage that we just think everybody else is that way. Right. And um, so just recognizing any wounds because we've all been hurt in life. It may be families of origin or it may just be from living life. And we, we develop beliefs and different ways of interacting out of that. And so just looking at those kinds of things and getting as much taken care of as you can before you get married, you start off at a way better place. Right. Sounds good. And you, you tend to attract a different level of health. I, I've noticed that the more, here's one of the most perplexing things that I've, that I've seen is incredible women who end up in relationships with some questionable characters. And it, you know, when we've, as pastors, when we've sat down with them, when that relationship inevitably crashes and burns because there's a huge mismatch, not just in personality, but also in maturity, perhaps maturity socially, maturity with the Lord, we're thinking, how how is this incredibly godly, beautiful, incredibly appearingly confident woman attracted to this severely insecure, somewhat broken individual, and you realize, oh, that person's actually a reflection of how this person sees himself. And so we notice Mm -hmm. that the more healing you get, you tend to radiate and attract a different, help me. Caliber, no. When we um, radiate confidence, we attract a different type of person. We radiate rejection, we attract a different kind of person, more confident outgoing people go oh they must be they must have some health yeah when we when we get ourselves healed and start looking at our identity the way god sees us and start radiating that and start expecting more i mean we don't we won't settle for something different we go god has something great for me right we're looking for something good we're looking for a good mate we're not looking to settle we're looking for what god has for us right and so it's a it's a whole it changes the whole ball game Mm mm-hmm one of the things that we saw it um, in Nashville that we hadn't seen before because we were in a retirement community in North Carolina, <laughs> but <laughs> with the young people, we had several young people come for ministry, and the problem was they were thirty-ish, thirty-five-ish, and wanted to be married, and couldn't figure out what the roadblock was. They dated several times, but it usually ended not well, and. Um, just didn't know what was going on. So we were able to talk through some of those those things. And actually we saw several 
people that came for RTF get married Yay! as a result of their ministry yes. time. Come on. So yep. that was thrilling. I mean, we had no idea that that was going to happen, and it was really exciting. That's awesome. So you say that, and me and probably every single person who's listening is like, tell us the answer. What were some of the roadblocks? And and I'd imagine it would vary from person to person, but are, are there any uh, general things you can share? I think there's a commonality in that I don't deserve. At some level, people didn't feel like they deserved somebody good. And there was a fear of rejection sometimes of, you know, I've got to reject people before they reject me. Mm. Sometimes... That's a, a common thing that people do. And I think it's uh, underestimating what they really deserve and what God really wants. And and so radiating a I don't deserve to be loved kind of a thing and um, even a desperation when you don't think you deserve to be loved, then sometimes you can be desperate and settle Wow. And that's not attractive. Right. When you feel like you deserve to be married and God wants you to be married and you are beautiful and you are kind and you are thoughtful and the things that God says about your identity, um, you project something different and you attract something different. Yeah. You know, here's an amazing business opportunity for you guys <laughs> is to create like some sort of downloadable identity statement for for dating, you know, kind of like the I is smart, I is kind, I is wonderful thing. <laughs> I'm sure people would love it. I think that's a fantastic idea, but here's the beauty of what makes identity work is it's not, there's not a, I am smart. I am beautiful. What's, what is, what is powerful about the identity thing is when you figure out who God says you are. Yeah. And that's what makes it unique. Cause if you just said, you know, I'm smart, I'm attractive, I'm kind, these kinds of things you'd be going, well, I kind of already knew that. But when God says something about you and he just says it directly to you, that identity has life. And it's infinitely mm-hmm. more life than anything with kind of a generic approach. It's the life that's coming from inside out rather than trying to talk it into you with some of the generic identity statements. Is that what you're saying? She, yes. yes. And it's it's who you are. And usually when people figure out who their identity is and it comes from God, it's something they probably haven't heard before. What God, when God says something to you, it's at a level of truth that it impacts your heart in a really deep and profound way. It's it's funny that even in in saying, and of course I'm not picking on, on you, Alan, because I think most people would love to just have a, a statement that we could say, but it's funny how we as human beings just in general like to have a method as opposed to um, having to really go back for a relationship. Do you know what I mean? So like what you're saying is, Hey, out of relationship with the father, let him speak truth to you and and believe that where we would love to just have four line prayers for everything. We can just download right? that we could just download and memorize. But, you know, that's really no different in a lot of ways than just memorizing scripture verses and trying to beat yourself up with them. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's if it's truth from the father, it's just a different strength of revelation. It's at a whole different level in your book. Finding father changed our identity. Wow. The same way we went through that book. I can remember some of the things God said. Mm-hmm. That wow. was identity inducing, and even at our age, where God's still shifting identity around, and it made a profound, during that time period, it was four or five years ago, there was nothing that made more impact in our life and change than that yes. book. That's true. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Hugely yeah. impactful to us. 
for the people who can't see AJ's face, there's there's some weird moisture growing in your eyes. And yeah, yeah, it was babe? a bug, a bug flew in my eye. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, when God says it to you, it's absolutely the truth and infinitely impactful, and nothing else anybody else could say can do that like God can. Yeah. One of the other things that is really impactful along those same lines are. You know how our church has been doing declarations, and you talked yeah. about that one time. Um, just making declarations over your marriage. What does God say about your specific marriage? And doing that together and then just declaring his truth over your life. Um, amazing impact. Wow. Let's start doing that. My mind went somewhere that I can't say on <laughs> I'm on my best behavior. They didn't say <laughs> declarations over your sex life. They said declaration over your marriage. Yeah, I'm sure that's included. <laughs> Me, but Tarzan, I know UJ what you Hug. were thinking. <laughs> of course you knew what I was thinking. <laughs> but a, a, a declaration might be something like, we're forever people. We're going to have a forever marriage. And when you when you approach marriage with that perspective, it's like, there's certain things we're not going to do. Right. Because we're going to go forever. We're going all the way to the end. We're going to get old together. We're going to get wrinkles together. We're going to finish well together. And there's just certain things you just don't do. Right. There's certain conversations you don't have. There's certain ways you just don't act. Right. And because you're you're in it for the long haul. Right. It's not a, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to change partners. It's no, we have to make this thing work. Right. So, there's not a, a plan B. There's no other option. There's no plan B. So you're on your best behavior. Kind of like when you're dating, you're always putting your best foot forward. Well, keep doing it in marriage because if you're going for the gold, there's just certain things you don't do. You guys are so prophetic. You're you're actually answering the next question I had, which is what what are some of the best preventative steps folks can take to create and protect a healthy marriage? So you've, we've already talked about you know making declarations, already talked about you know, making a commitment, having a longer term view than just, I remember Danny Silk saying, most people only plan their wedding, they never plan their marriage. And so having a longer view than just the wedding day uh, is important. What what other things, you you know, practical things can people do? Obviously, come and get a healing week, come and do some ministry. But what are some other practical things you encourage couples to do in their marriage? One thing that's really important, I feel like, is just learning how to forgive well. Mm. Um, and often. Yes. <laughs> Daily even. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> and um, we have a, a three-part thing that we like to, to teach couples um, because most of the time we just say, I'm sorry. But we, we feel like when you say it, I'm sorry for and what you did and that was wrong because acknowledging the pain that you caused your spouse, and then will you forgive me? So it would sound like, I'm sorry for walking away from you when you were trying to talk with me. That was wrong because I it was very disrespectful to you. I was only thinking of myself. Would you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you, but I would also like to ask you to forgive me for the tone that I was using and even the attitude I had as we were talking, because that wasn't very respectful and that was wrong. Would you please forgive me for that? Yes. 
These are not paid actors. That's a real. That's a real uh, conversation. <laughs> Mike and Phyllis uh, <laughs> event. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. That never yeah. happens. We we didn't have one of those just at dinner today. <laughs> but it's so powerful. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. Right. I was wrong is a really important thing. Leave out the but because every time there's a but. I'm sorry that way I talk, but if you wouldn't have, just totally leave it out. It's always there. But if you bring it up, it wrecks your apology. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good. That's amazing. Any yeah. other little nuggets you can throw our way? There's one. I'm going to steal this one from Billy Graham. But a long time ago, Billy Graham said he's never alone with another woman that's not his wife. And even when he travels, he's on the road. He says, okay, if somebody comes up and picks me at the airport, I want it to be a man. Do not send a woman to pick me up. You know, that's fascinating. He goes, I've never had a problem with adultery because I've never been alone with another woman other than my wife. Wow. So setting the boundaries early, setting them firm. And that may sound really old school, but um, that's a good way to a fair proof. Your marriage is just set the boundaries firm, set them early and stick to them. That's one of the things that they encouraged us to do when we were itinerating in Toronto. Like I started itinerating, uh, you know, just as a single female for about five years before Alan and I got married and started itinerating. And that was one of the things actually that Jack Frost as well used to do. Uh, And so that was one of the things that I was part of my rider. Like if you send a man to pick me up, I won't get in the car. It's, you know, no offense or anything, but hey. I'm going to play this thing safe, you know, kind of thing. And I wasn't even married then. I was just like, you just don't need any kind of question available, you know? So I I love that. That's really good. Another thing that I might add is um, if you're struggling in your marriage, hang out with a healthy couple. Wow. Statistics show that hanging out or being around or having a relationship with a healthy couple is just as effective as being with a licensed counselor. <gasps> Are really? you serious? Yes, isn't that amazing? But you catch so much um, about relationship, about interacting, and those kinds of things. And so that's just a, a tip that we like to also you know, let so people good. know. So funny you say that, because AJ and I often point to, when we first got married, we lived with John and Carol. And... We knew that there was value added to our marriage by that, but they didn't quote unquote do anything. Like we just did life with them. You know, yes. we were traveling, they were traveling, but when we'd be home, we'd often eat a meal together. The advantage of them living upstairs from us is if we had a fight, you know, they heard it. They, w- they heard it. <laughs> they and would. they would be like, they would wait about half an hour. They'd be like, you guys okay? You coming talk? up? Are you coming up? <laughs> or if we needed help, we'd just put popcorn on because Carol, it's like catnip. You know, Carol would, would <laughs> smell the popcorn and she'd, she'd come down. But the That's value cute. of having. Uh, you know, an amazing, and they, you know, John and Carol would tell stories about themselves, they would tell on themselves mm-hmm. about, you know, one time Carol was so mad that she didn't talk to John for X number of days, you know, all these sorts of things. And it humanizes these people who look like they have this perfect marriage. And, you know, it's, so that's amazing. That must be the thing that we experienced. It was. We just send them money from right? professional <laughs> licensed counseling <laughs> fees. I think that makes me, uh, sort of even more excited because Alan and I have a vision to be able to do that here. Um, you know, to have a young couple that lives with us that mm-hmm. we can, you know, and that sort of makes it make more sense why it 
Right. Why? Do you know what I mean? Why it worked? Like we we just sort of know that it did work. We want to pass it on. Yeah, and we want to we yeah. want to pass yeah, it for on for sure. Yeah. And it, you don't even have to live with somebody. I know. You know, you can just just go to dinner with with somebody, or or spend time, or or go to the park, or to the movie. You know, whatever. Yeah. But just spending time, and you just pick up things from them that um, is not taught. Right. That makes sense. I think one of the things that is also just really important is just choose kindness. It sounds so simple, but when push comes to shove, if you can make a choice to choose kindness, it's huge in a marriage or in any relationship. Do you hear that, AJ? I got it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to edit that out because that was supposed to be funny, but it didn't work. (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) I heard somebody say it recently. um, I don't have to be right. I just have to be nice. And I'm thinking, well, that's pretty profound. You know, I don't have to always have the last word. Always Um, have the answer. Always have the answer. Um, but if you can choose to just be kind to the other person, and sometimes it's just as simple. You look at, okay, what would be more kind? What would be less kind? Okay, I'm choosing the more kind uh, option here. And just tend to do that every chance you get uh, really helps things out a lot. Jeff said something to you, didn't he? When when we first moved here, I think it was we'd been here like a, a year or two, and Alan and I had had this huge fight. Huge fight. Huge fight. And I had told him to get out of the house. I was so mad. And I was more than happy to get out of the house until I got in the car and I stormed off. And I'm like, you know what, Laura, I'm going to, I'm going to teach her. And the Lord's like, oh, what's your plan? I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay out all night and she's not going to know where I am. I'm going to turn off my phone. And the Lord's like, oh, great. Where where are you going to stay? And I'm like, I'm just going to get a hotel. And the Lord's like, with what money? (laughs) (laughs) We had like no money. money. I was like, how's that going to work? So I'm like. Well, I'm just going to go to Starbucks and and sulk. And the Lord's like, okay, what's the shelf life on the sulking thing? So I called Jeff and just, Jeff, AJ and I just had this huge fight. And Jeff said, Well, Alan, I guess you're going to have to decide whether you'd rather be right or have relationship. Mm. And he said, Alan, I've learned that he who apologizes first wins. I was not in the mood to do any of the things that you're talking about <laughs> at all. <laughs> but again, I just realized, what is, what is the end? I didn't realize. The Holy Spirit showed me. Like, what? okay, so you're sulking. I get that. You're really angry. You're really hurt. Totally get that. How long is that going to last? Because the sun is going down, and you don't want it to go down in your anger, and the sun's coming up, and you have to go to your job. And by the way, you work with her. <laughs> like, I, like how long, you know, at some point, the, you know, you're, you know you're not getting divorced. At some point you have to return. Why not return with humility? I'm like... So we're choosing kindness, folks. Yeah. So you guys are not just trained in RTF, but like we mentioned earlier, you're, you're also trained as life language people. And so one of the things that's very, very helpful in the world of life language is this whole thing of crosstalks where you take a profile, say, from a husband and a profile from a wife and using some, you know, magic formula, you work out the <laughs> crosstalks, the areas of conflict. And it, it just so happens that we happen to have our life language profiles here. And we're wondering whether you could just do like an on-air crosstalk and identify some of our areas. Sure. 
This will be fun. Wow, I'll, be, I'll bring you right back. <laughs> this could be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we're we love the life languages. Yeah, this is good. So you guys' life languages are really similar. In the Holy tops, cow. yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay. So while these guys are looking over our profiles, let me explain what's going on. For those of you who don't know about life languages, you basically go to a website, you fill out a series of questions, which produces a profile that gives you some results of your most fluent ways of communicating. There's seven life languages. They all have a name. Each language has a filter, the way you see things in life, the way you approach things. They have... Uh, um, uh, they have strengths and weaknesses with each one of them. But after you fill out the profile, you're you're given a chart that tells you your strength or your fluency in each of these languages. And what these guys are doing right now is they're looking at AJ's profile, they're looking at my profile, and they're using their training and their experience to say, hey, it would not surprise us if some of the areas of communication conflict would appear here or here or here. So... Right now, I need to find some music to be playing while they're looking at this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Do you want to start, baby? You want me to? Well, the amazing thing about you two is that your giftings are so similar in so many areas. Um, the top ones. Many times, conflict comes more when our giftings are so different. But you guys are are similarly gifted in a lot of areas with both of you being shaper as your top gifting, which is leadership. And so the thing that I would wonder is who's going to be the leader? Do you ever have conflict <laughs> with who's in charge? We used to, we used to have a lot more than, than we do now. Um, but when we first got married, uh, we would both wake up and literally our eyes were open and we would form a plan, but we wouldn't communicate our plan to one another, but we both believed that each of our plans was the best plan. <laughs> and so our conflict would arise from, you know, him having an idea that was outside of my plan or me having an idea that was outside of his. And now we've got to a place where we realize I mean, you can see from AJ's results, she's an off-the-charts shaper. What is she? Come down, though. I yes. used to be 97, so I feel like I've mellowed at 93. <laughs> she's 93. So we're first... So the shaper, again, for people who are not you know, familiar with this terminology, shapers love to plan. They love to lead. Mm. And I think Nothing after... better than a plan. <laughs> all these years of marriage, we've realized, oh, there's areas that AJ can outplan me. The stuff, the stuff I just don't care about that's more passionate to her. And so... I I was going to say, I let you lead. That sounds ridiculous. But you, we both benefit when you lead. And conversely, there's areas. Now, there are times when our plans overlap. Mm -hmm. But I think we've done a good job. I'm just trying to think. Like We even had a conversation today on the way to one of our meetings in the car where we were, you know, there's a little bit of miscommunication about what each of us was saying. But I, I mean, I think we worked out well, didn't yep. you say? It, it wasn't yep. conflict. It was just like... Yep, I get it, but but yes, early on, huge problem, But and we realized either we hadn't communicated the plan or our plan was being threatened, mm -hmm. and now we're much better at realize both of us, because we're high shapers, realize that when there's a change to the plan, either because of weather or timing or other people, we realize, oh, we get in distress, mm -hmm. but we've learned those signals, and we talk each other down, which is... <laughs> Good. <laughs> we have looked at with every couple we've seen probably for the last five years 
we've gone over life languages with them. And I have never seen a couple as similar, your top three languages being the same and in the same order. And even probably at least as important that your bottom life language is the same responder, which is the mercy gift. And so that you're so the same, like Phyllis said, um, Phyllis and I are both leaders. Um, and sometimes what we have to do is this is a conversation. We go to cook together. It's okay. Who's going to be the chef and who's going to be the sous chef? Right. Or if we're going to hang a mirror together, who's going to be the one that's calling the shots and who's going to be the helper? Because we both want to lead. Right. And that that's important. But so I would think that would be part of it. Um, but the fact that both of your responders are low um, is kind of interesting. And I would wonder if, as a couple, sometimes you might feel like you don't care, e- even though ne- neither one of you is a high responder. So it's not like you're looking for that. But I wonder if there might be times where you're going, I just don't feel like you care about me and just because it's responders, just not a high. Yep. You guys are all about business. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably both very smart and very action oriented, very much get things done. Yep. Our earliest profile is 2004. We've kept all our profiles throughout the years. So we've got maybe four profiles, you know, every five years or every three years we've done it. And we can see the stage of life we were in. Um, because when we mm-hmm. met, our profiles were very different to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my influencer was very, very high. My shaper was quite high. But then early on in marriage, my shaper just dropped because I realized there's no need for it. Uh, there's a 97% shaper. And as you know, shapers are happy to lead, but they're also happy to be led if there's a competent leader. And so mine just mm-hmm. dropped and my mm-hmm. doer came way up, especially when we moved to Gray Center. Mm-hmm. Our dynamic would be AJ would plan, I would do. Uh, yeah, and I would sort of shape out the thing. Here you go. This is what Emanate's going to look at. And he would just take the checklist and make it all happen. Build the website, do the, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then mm-hmm. I'd move on to, okay, this is what Encounter Weekend's going to look like. And he'd do the manual, do the, you know. So it was, yeah. I mean, that's, that what worked we, well, that's how we did everything. Y- your comment about the responder, I'd never even thought about in those terms that, yes, both of our responders are low. Mine is notoriously low, but because I work with all responders, I've learned to speak it mm-hmm. uh, uh, fairly fluently when I'm deliberate, often catastrophically terrible when I think I'm getting away with speaking it fluently. You know, if like if I'm intentional and turn it on, I'm good. If I think I can coast with it, a train wreck happens inevitably. But I'd never thought about it in the terms of everybody has a responder. Mine happens yes. to be low. Is it low out of wounding perhaps? Is it is it low because it's been suppressed? But when you said, I, I wonder if both of you at times feel like you don't care, that would be a thing where I'm like, hey, babe, I, and I, I feel uncomfortable with the language, of course, with it being so low, but I'm like, babe, I feel like you don't care about this and vice versa. That's yeah. fascinating. So that's, that's bang on. We That's probably yeah. one of the more common type of conversations that we would have. What are you guys doing next week? Needs to get sorted out. (laughs) Can we hang out with you? My responder used to be third. Right. It's just sort of steadily uh, moved its way down to the bottom. It's interesting how different things shift in different seasons of life, depending on what you need at Mm -hmm. that particular season of life. 
we speak responder to our kids because they're very, very high responders. Tia's a very high contemplator. Her her responder sometimes comes out to play, but MJ and Abby, I would imagine, are first language responders. Although, I mean, MJ, every night when he goes to bed, says, Mommy, I need to know what the plan is for tomorrow. What's the plan for the morning? And, and he, he if, if the babysitter doesn't tell him the plan... When I'll go in and kiss him at night, he'll be like, what the plan for tomorrow? He just needs the plan. So I think he might have a shaper in there somewhere, but they're certainly... Abby too. Abby likes to plan. Yeah. And And they don't do great if the plan has changed. Mm -hmm. Do great. They don't do that well. But again, with two high high shapers leading the pack, it's no wonder that they picked that up by osmosis. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing about that is, is I hear that they know there's a plan. If you're in a family where there's not a plan, that's dangerous. That doesn't feel good as a person. When the leaders lead, it feels comfortable and safe for the people that are in their organization or in a family. You know, mom's follow, leading, yeah. dad's leading, somebody's leading, somebody's got a good plan. Well, there's comfort and there's safety and there's a, the people that are in charge have a plan. Right, right. And as a shaper, I, I know that because when you're in a leader in an organization where it feels like leadership is weak, that feels insecure. Yes. I've, I've so. been in that situation as well where so you're, you're just like, oh, what am I following? <laughs> you're bringing security to your family by yeah. making a good plan. Yeah. And so they always go, they know there's going to be a good plan when they go to bed at night. Yeah. I love that. There's <laughs> a shaper. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> any other, um, any other conflict points that your professional eye is catching? No, you guys probably have very low crosstalks. Based on this, you're probably mm-hmm. somewhere in the teens or, or lower. We don't see your numbers, but um, the fact that your top three are the same and your bottom one is the same, um, you've got a very low. Uh, it's, you probably, it's easy for you all to speak the same language. Yeah. You're speaking about what's the plan. You're thinking about, um, am I interested? Um, are you doing your <laughs> All the time. Are, are you doing your share? Are you oh. doing your share is our biggest... Fairness is our biggest thing. conflict point. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It was the thing that came up in our healing week with the Killstress. Our biggest thing was fairness. Yeah. Okay. When we, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like... Absolutely. <laughs> well, yep. the, well, the funny thing with the fairness thing was when, when, I was, when we went away and did our healing week, um, Chester and Betsy, our, our ministry people who were doing the ministry, they would give me homework. And I just thought that was normal. Okay, I'd get homework, so I'd come home, and I'd be like, did, 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 did you get homework? And they'd just like, no, they just told me I need to sleep more. And of course, <laughs> my fairness thing is like, they told you what? All week, and I was trying to get homework because I was aware this wasn't going to be a good scenario. And so I would say to them like, but Alan's doing homework. Do you want me to do homework? I mean, he's he's reading the shame fear control cycle. Do you want me to read that again? You know, whatever. And they're like, no, um, no, we just feel like, you know, the Lord just wants you to have a, a, a season of just having some rest and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, this isn't going to be good. Well, that was that was historically That's our thing. Funny. When we'd go for marriage counseling or we'd go for ministry it would always be like, are you doing your share in ministry? Like, how, how much of your heart are you bearing? Because I'm bearing my heart. Like, <laughs> see, so, yeah, fairness is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's significantly better now than it was then. Uh, but it's still, a, uh, you know, it still appears. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Ha, 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 ha. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> what are some resources that, I see that you brought some books with you. What are some resources that would help people? I mean, obviously, I'm going to say this in, in, in with wholeheartedness and not just because you're on the show. You know, we have a track record, I think, if you listen to our podcast, we are all about people getting healing. But I also know because we have had friends, we have, you know, helped connect people from all over the world who've flown to Franklin, Tennessee, to receive ministry from you guys. So I know that you minister to people all of the time. And I will say that, that guys, no matter what state your marriage is in, or no matter what state your life is in, you, you certainly don't need to be married to receive ministry from RTF. And also, it's mm-hmm. worth saying, you don't need to fly to Franklin, Tennessee. There's RTF-trained ministers all over the world. However... If you want the best. <laughs> They're called Mike and Phyllis best for a reason. But, uh, you know, so yes, of course, book an appointment. Come and get some ministry from these guys. It would be well worth the investment in your life and your marriage. Uh, aside from that, and we'll talk about how people can get in contact with you in a second. What are some resources that you would really recommend people would sink their teeth into? Well, one of them is Speaking of Love, um, which is the book on life languages by Fred and Anna Kendall that we've been talking about so much. And that book really goes in depth. Uh, When you take the profile, you get a lot of information already, but the book talks about just every aspect of um, the life language, even how they decorate their room, what they like to do on vacation, um, how they... (laughs) Like sex. I mean, they go into every area. Um, Another one is um, The Seven Love Agreements by Douglas Weiss. And it's just basic tools that you can use um, to strengthen your marriage. And so every week or so, you'll take one principle like patience and work on that. And there's some specific exercises. So that's a real practical book that you can order. And the other one that we really love is 10 Lessons to Transform Your Marriage. And it's by John Gottman. The Gottmans are premier marriage researchers, and they just have practical tools for communication, for dealing with when you think that you're in a no-win situation, and there absolutely is no answer to whatever situation you're in. And so it's just a really good, another really good book just for practical information. That's that's excellent. I'll put links to all those resources in the show notes. The question that we want to leave you with is, how do people get a hold of you? How, if people want ministry from you, what is the best way for people to get hold of you? Probably the best way to get a hold of us is through email. Um, we have two email addresses, maybe maybe three, but our two top ones for ministry are Mike at bestmarriage.us and Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S, at bestmarriage.us. And the third is rtfnashville at gmail.com. I will put links to all of those in, in the show notes. And and what do people do? They just email you, say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you about getting some ministry. And ju- they just pick up a conversation from there. Is that the best way? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, say, yes, we're interested in uh, ministry. Include a phone number so we can give you a call. And we can contact you and set something up. And there's, I'm not exaggerating when I've said that we've had people from outside the U.S., from 
faraway places come to receive ministry. And it's really by word of mouth, isn't it? That people come, they have their their, their marriage transformed, their life transformed. They go home and people are like, what happened to you? are like, well, I met this couple in Franklin, Tennessee. And they're like, where? Franklin, Tennessee. And of course, we've got great donuts. So you come, you get yes, ministered that's to. that's right. There's tremendous coffee, great restaurants. Let's not forget the coffee, donuts, and acai bowls exactly. that are available here. <laughs> that's worth the trip right there. Right there. <laughs> Well, Mike and Phyllis, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast and dropping your bombs of wisdom about marriage and uh, all things inner healing. Uh, we really, really, really appreciate it. And thanks for the impromptu crosstalks. It's, uh, you know, we'll work on those uh, responder issues. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. It's been a joy. It's a wonderful evening. If you want the show notes for this week's episode, you can get them at alanandaj.com slash 149. We'd also like to invite you to the More Conference, which is happening May 19th and 20th. Yeah, it's coming up fast. It is coming up fast. We have Kale Mumby coming to speak. And then we have Callie Heiligenthal and Hunter Thompson coming to lead worship. Yeah, they're both Bethel worship artists. We're excited to have all three of those in our house. Tickets are available at gracecenter.us slash more. Speaking about events that are at Grace Center that are of the life-changing nature, our School of Supernatural Life, the school that we just graduated this week, we are now accepting applications and we would love you to come. Applications for the school this year close June 15th, and we would love to spend the next eight months with you diving deeper into the Word of God and watching the Holy Spirit transform your life. I also want to remind you, if you have done this school and you're thinking about year two, that we'd also love to have you on that. Oh, that would be great. It would be very good. Oh my gosh. We love year two. It's very fun. The book that Mike and Phyllis talked about saying had the most impact on them in recent years was Finding Father, written by the very good looking and wonderfully beautiful A.J. Jones sitting at the other end of this table for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> A.J.'s book is called Finding Father. It's a 12-week study guide. It is purpose written to lead you into greater intimacy with God, you can pick up your own copy too and have your own life-changing identity statements by going to alanandaj.com. Scroll to the bottom. You'll see Finding Father there. Thanks once again to Mike and Phyllis, and thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith and Under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone